open your Bibles to Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter 4, beginning of verse 11. And I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. <clears throat> For lo, he hath formed the mountains, and created the wind, and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. It's always good when we're able to come out and worship God. Especially in these difficult days and trying times, we realize the blessings that we have by being able to worship our God. And I hope that those that are at home are appreciating what, we, what they're missing, realizing that God intended for us to all be together. And that's what He wants in His worship, but we realize that for some that's not possible. And so we want to encourage each one to continue to have faith in God, to trust Him, to realize that He is in control, that He is with us. The devil is still alive and still active, trying to get us to do things that we should not do. And then we also need to realize that someday this also will come to pass. The Bible teaches us that life is going to end someday for us. It also teaches us that eventually this world is going to come to an end. And so I guess the question that I want to ask this morning is, are we prepared? Are you prepared? I think that we have seen that many people in this world were not prepared for what has taken place in our society at this time. You go to the grocery store, especially early on, we've, we've seen empty shelves. And as I've said in other sermons, it looked like the apocalypse had happened in some places. I went into stores and things were on the floor, things were all over the place, and things were missing that was normally stocked. And in our country, we're not used to things like that. I don't recall it ever happening where you go to the store and you have to buy something that you normally wouldn't buy because they don't have the brand that you would normally eat or participate with. And so the question is, are we prepared? You see that in our society. You see government especially. you got the states pointing at the federal government and the federal government pointing at the states. Not our fault. It's your fault. You should have been prepared. No, you should have been prepared. And so we see that I believe, or I believe that we can see that our society wasn't prepared for something like this. But there's something even more important that's going to take place eventually. And I think that there's a greater question that we need to be asking ourselves. Are we prepared for that day? Are we prepared for what's coming? In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It tells us, for as appointed unto man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. So we know death is going to come to all of us. We can look around and we see that happening every day. Through the course of our lives, we've seen loved ones that have passed from this life, and we see that in Genesis, in the very first few chapters there, after Adam and Eve were created, and before the flood, we see a list of people. And at the end of all those verses that it talks about, all that genealogy that's there, it says, and he died. Methuselah lived the longest, 969 years. Hard for us to even imagine. But the Bible says at the end of that chapter, or end of his verse, and he died. Death is coming to all of us. 
The question is, are we prepared for that day? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And so we understand that death is going to come. And if, the, if we're still alive when the world comes to an end, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it's easy for us to say, yeah, we're prepared. Yes, we're ready. But the question is, are we really prepared? Are we sure we're prepared? I mean, think about your cupboard when, these, when the, the pandemic hit. Were you prepared? Did you have your stockpile of toilet paper already? Did you have all your water that you wanted to store up? Did you have all your goods prepared? Well, yeah, we said we were ready. But as we see it lingers on and on, we begin to wonder how prepared we really are. When death comes and we stand before the judgment, we're not going to be able to point at someone else and say it's their fault if we're unprepared. We're not going to be able to blame it on some group of people. Not going to be able to blame it on the church. It's going to be our own fault if we're not ready. In Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, as we read, it says, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. And so I want to encourage all of us to examine our lives today. I want us to examine our lives and make sure that we're prepared for that event if it was to happen today. Are we ready to meet our God? Are we ready to stand before the judgment seat of God? Because it's very important that day that we are prepared for it. And so there's a few things I would like to bring to our mind to remind us of the importance of that day. First of all, the importance of, it's important that we be prepared to meet God. Why is that? Because we will meet God. We will stand before Him in judgment. We realize the judgment seat is of Christ, but it also tells us in other places that, we're, that God is going to be there and we will stand before Him. And so it's a day that we need to be prepared for and we're going to meet Him. So all those skeptics that are out there, you know, I read some of the comments that they make after a news article about Christians. Then I listen to some of the what the skeptics are saying about Christians, about how they trusted God, but all this is still happening. And they make all kinds of strange comments about those who are, have faith in God. Brethren, on that day, everybody's going to give an account of their lives and we're all going to realize that there is a God and that we're going to be held accountable for the life that we've lived here on this earth. And so we don't want to wait till the last minute to make preparation. We want to be ready today. And we always need to realize that when we stand there on that day, on that occasion, that it's going to decide our destiny. We're going to have our life examined. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12, it says, "...and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened." And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to the works. And then if you drop down to verse 15 of that same chapter, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Brethren, we want to be in that book. And we want our name to remain in that book. And the Bible teaches us that God can blot our name out. That we can have it in there and then it can be blotted out. So that doctrine of once saved and always saved is something that's not true. That it is possible to be lost. And so we need every day to live our lives so that we're prepared if that day was to happen right now. 
The question is, would we be ready? Because we realize we're going to stand before our God. We're going to stand before our judge. And we need to realize that our destiny is going to be decided at that point. When we talk about preparation, it must be adequate. We can't be halfway prepared. We have to be totally prepared for that day. The Apostle Peter gives us a list of the Christian graces. And when you read, the, read about those in Second Peter chapter 1, and we studied about those not too long ago. We had sermons dealing with those Christian graces along with the fruit of the Spirit. And Peter says in those verses, "...wherefore that rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure." For if we do these things, we shall never fall. Brother, we need to realize that there's a guarantee when we follow what God tells us to do that we will not fall. The problem is we fall when we get away from what God wants us to do. And it's so easy to do in our society today. Every day we're reminded of things that the world offers. Every day that there's maybe temptation placed before you, we have an opportunity. But it talks about there in that verse, give diligence. That means work at it, struggle for it, strive for it. Do all that you can do to follow the pattern that God has given. You see, once we become a Christian, it doesn't stop there. We continue to live that faithful life. And that's what Peter reminds us of. And that's what the Apostle Paul reminds us of, reminds us of throughout the New Testament. But we need to be prepared. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 37 through 46, this is what it says Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall also then they shall also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Brethren, I believe that there's a lot of people that are like some of these individuals that we just read about there. If we seen what seen that it was Christ, if we seen that it was a brother or sister in Christ, if we saw the need, then we would take care of it because we know others are watching. But when we don't recognize it as Christ, should we be doing what the Lord wants us to do? And in this particular case, we see that, well, if it, we knew it was You, Lord, we would have helped You. But we didn't recognize it. But if we did, we would have. And we see what happens to those individuals. They're lost. And so, brethren, we need to be reminded that we're not living this Christian life just because we want to serve other people. We're living this life because we want to serve our Lord and He tells us and shows us and demonstrates in His own life what we are to do as we live that Christian life. And so we see a picture here of the judgment scene. And those that were faithful, they didn't recognize it as Christ, that they were helping. 
But by helping those that were expecting nothing, they were letting their light shine for Christ. And Jesus Christ was benefited from it. So brethren, we need to be prepared. We don't do it just because somebody's watching. We do it because that's what our Lord wants us to do. We love Him and we care for Him. We must also be prepared, not only fully prepared, but we must be prepared at all times. As I mentioned, I think it was last Sunday, maybe the Sunday before, if we would have said all these things were going to be changed in our society at the beginning of the year, people would have said we were crazy. I think that we have seen the changes that we've had to make. The changes that we've made. The thoughts of what's happening when we come to service. We realize the importance of being here. But we also need to realize that we need to be prepared at all times, whether we're here or somewhere else. In Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, it says, He said, unto, said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said it within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship, I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. There he had heard or he knew that this steward wasn't doing what he should do. And so he was taking an account of him. Brethren, as we examine our daily lives, think about what if the Lord came at whatever moment in time He comes. The question is, would we be ready for it? I would imagine there are people that want to go to heaven, but they're going to wait till the last minute, the last possible minute, to dedicate their life to Christ, to surrender to His will, to be obedient to His gospel, to be baptized into Christ. They're going to wait till the last minute because they've got other things that they would rather do. But what if the Lord were to come right now? What if it happened this very moment? What if we heard that trumpet right now? Would we be ready? Would you be ready? Would I be ready? It's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5-6, through 6, For ye are all the children of light, the children of day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watch and be sober. Be sincere. Be on guard. Be watchful. You're not going to slumber and be on guard. You're not going to be uh, under some influence of something and be cautious. It just doesn't happen that way. Brethren, we need to be on guard realizing that the Lord could come at any minute. That death could come into our lives at any minute. And we need to be prepared for that day. And so we watch. And every day we strive to live that Christian life. When we get out of bed, that should be our first thought. What can I do to serve my Lord? How can I live to glorify His name? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. No one knows when it's going to happen. And it's very easy for you and I to take life for granted that we're just going to continue to get up tomorrow. 
But I would guarantee you today that there is someone that got up that's not going to make it through the day. That somebody got up this morning and they're not going to make it through this week. That their life is going to come to an end. And I don't say that because I want to be morbid. I say that because that's the reality of life. I've seen that happen over and over again. Where people go to the hospital and that's the last time you see them because they die while they're there. Did they think that that was going to happen? No. But it happened. And so the question is, we need to be ready. Are you ready? If that day was to happen right now, the sad reality is that there are some that think that they are prepared when they are not. You have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives an illustration of, the, of some that were unprepared. In Matthew chapter 25, we find there a parable that He speaks, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while their bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough, enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Here we see a simple parable that Jesus gives to illustrate the point of being prepared and to be adequately prepared. Not partially prepared, but adequately prepared by doing what the Lord wants us to do. Those foolish virgins had made some preparation. They were doing some things that were right. Some things that were good. And there's a lot of people out there in the religious world and yes, even some in the Lord's church that have made some preparation, but they're not totally prepared. Maybe they've obeyed the Gospel, but they're not living a faithful life. Maybe they're not studying. Maybe they're not praying. Maybe they're not going out into the world with the Gospel of Christ. There's a lot of things that we need to be doing that the Lord wants us to do. The question is, are we prepared? Or are we unprepared? You see, it's not enough just to say with our mouth that we love the Lord. You know, Jesus said, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Brother, we need to realize the importance of being prepared, properly prepared, for what He wants us to do. We also see another parable that He spoke in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, where He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these things of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Here again we see two people, one foolish, one wise. The foolish man built his house, but it seems that he built his house on his own terms. And you see what happened to his house when when the troubles and trials came. His house fell. And in the end, the Bible says, and great was the fall of it. And brethren, there's a lot of times in our lives where we want God. We want Christ. We want salvation. We want heaven. But we want all of it on our terms. We don't want to totally surrender our life to Christ. And the problem is, on that last day when we're standing at judgment, if we hear Him say, depart from Me, I never knew you, it will be too late. For all eternity, you can, you, you can burn for eternity pointing at someone else and saying it's their fault, but really it's your fault. We have a choice. The wise man heard and did what he was told. The foolish man heard but he went about building his own way. And brethren, that's what happens with us sometimes. We want to have we want God. But we want him on our terms. You know, we talk about idol worship in the Old Testament, and sometimes in class when we're talking about it, we hear people say, How could they worship an idol? I've even made that statement as a teacher. How could they worship an inanimate object? Something that's not alive, something that they created. And we wonder how they could do something like that. But is what we're doing any different? If we define God on our terms and we make Him try to comply to what we want as opposed to what He wants, the wise man hears and does. And we trust God. We also see in Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 through 14. That there was a man there without a wedding garment. And in those, per, in, in those verses, this is what it says, beginning in verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Here again, Jesus is trying to show us that we need to be prepared. It's not enough just to be in the right place. Not enough just to be here in this building today. We need to be in the body of Christ. And we're talking about the the spiritual body of Christ, the church. You know, I can sit in a chicken house all day, but that doesn't make me a chicken. I'm not going to lay an egg. We can hang out in a church building all day, but that doesn't make me a Christian. That doesn't make me what God wants me to be. I have to let that light shine wherever I'm at, wherever I go. And in this particular case, we see someone who did not have the proper garments on. And we find in the Bible where it tells us that we must be prepared by putting on Christ. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ 
have put on Christ. How do I put this suit on? I had to put my arm in it this morning. I had to put my legs in the pants. I had to put it on. How do I put on Christ? I am baptized into Christ. Many people out in the religious world will say, baptism doesn't mean anything. It is not essential to salvation. But we find in Galatians chapter 3 that baptism is what puts us into Christ. That's talking about into the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ is where we see salvation in the New Testament. And so we want to be in that body, and that body is the church, as it tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, that the body is the church, and the church is the body. And what church is that? The church, is the church that Jesus said that He would build. When that great confession was made by Peter, who acknowledged that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He was the Christ, the Son of the living God, he recognized by saying the Christ that He was the Messiah. Jesus said, Upon thy, this rock I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He built that church. That was His church. Not a building, but it's His body. And we first see that church where people were added to it in Acts chapter 2 when they gladly received the words of Peter and obeyed. What did Peter tell them to do on that occasion? Repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. And so that's what we do to be prepared. We put on Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, and verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here Jesus is telling us that not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to make it. Just because we proclaim it doesn't mean that we live it. Just because we proclaim it doesn't mean that we believe it. Just because we proclaim it doesn't mean that it's in our lives, that it's in our hearts. We need to be practicing it every day in our lives. And listen to what it says. Those that prophesied, cast out devils, done many wonderful works. They did a lot of great things, but look at what it says about Jesus, what He says. I never knew you. Depart from Me, ye that work iniquity. How sad that will be on the day of judgment if any one of us that's here or anyone that can hear this sermon is lost. Because it doesn't have to be that way. I remember a few years back, one of the hardware stores that I attended or go to, there's a man that worked there, a very nice man. Give you stuff if that's what you needed. And somebody told him one day, there's a special place in heaven for you. And he said, I ain't going to heaven. I'm going to hell. I thought how sad that is that someone would make that statement. I heard it with my ears. It didn't have to be that way. How many of us are going to find out on that day of judgment that it's too late to make the changes that we know that we should make today? Where will we meet God? We'll meet God at the judgment. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. We know in the Revelation chapter 20 that it said that all will stand before the judgment seat or stand before the throne of God. So we're all going to be judged. And we're going to see our Lord. There He won't be our Savior. He's going to be our judge. And so we'll meet Him at the judgment. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31, as it said, For when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all of His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. The question is, what side are you going to be on? I know that we're here. I know that we're here under trying times. But I don't know what goes on in your life at home or when you go someplace or when you go to work. I don't know what goes on in your heart. Only you know what those answers. And God knows those answers. But when we stand before that judge, we're going to think of all of those things. When we meet God, it will be on the brink of eternity. A term that I'm not sure that we can even comprehend because we live on the, this side of eternity where we watch our clocks and watches and, and everything so time-oriented. But at the judgment, we're just at the beginning of eternity. <laughs> Something that will never end. If heaven is our home, then we're going to enjoy heaven forever. Forever. If hell is our destiny, we're going to be in torment forever. Jesus has warned us. God's Word tells us about those two places. and tells us how to be prepared. So how do we prepare to meet God? We obey Him. In Hebrews chapter eight or chapter five, verses eight through nine, though he were a son, he had learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Years ago, someone stood at the door as I was standing back there, and they approached me. They were a visitor, and they wanted to know: Did I really believe that I had to be obedient? That obedience was important. Well, what does this passage of Scripture says? Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. For one, Jesus had to be obedient while he was here on this earth. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that what obey him. Is obedience important? You see what I mean about how we sometimes try to redefine God to meet our terms? God's Word says we must be obedient. So we must obey Him. And that's how we get heaven as our home, by being obedient to Him. We surrender our life to Him. If you've been doing the lessons in our study that I've been sending out, you realize the importance of having that poor in spirit attitude. You realize the importance of mourning for your sin. 
And you see how it all works together to help us to be what God wants us to be. So obedience isn't tough. It isn't something that's hard. It's something that we want to do because we love our Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now I would assume that that individual that approached me that day would say that he loved the Lord. But what does Jesus say here? If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, he's saying, if you love me, do what I'm telling you to do. Why? Because he wants us to be saved. And so what do we do? The Bible teaches us that we must have faith. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, "...but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." And as we read further into that chapter, we can see a list of individuals that by faith they were moved to do what God told them to do. Noah was moved to build an ark. Abraham looked for a different city. We can look at Moses who suffered the afflictions of his people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And we could go on and on about individuals that did what God told them to do. They had faith. You talk about our faith. I wonder how much faith Noah had to have to start building a ship as big as he had to build with people ridiculing him and laughing and making fun of him while he did it. But he did it. And as a result of that, you and I are here today because of what He did. Faith is something that's very important. It's always been important. But faith alone will not save us. We must be obedient. And so Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 13, and verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So we must repent. That means to stop doing the sinful things that we are doing in our lives and turn and put our trust in God put our trust and faith in Christ and turn away from those sins and start living a life to please our Lord. And then we must confess His name before men. As Matthew chapter 10, and verse 32 tells us, Whosoever therefore shall confess Me before men, him will I confess before My Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny Me before men, him will I also deny before My Father which is in heaven. And so we make that great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But does that put us into Christ? Does faith put us into Christ? Does repentance put us into Christ? Does confession put us into Christ? No, it's baptism that puts us into Christ as we've seen in Galatians chapter 3. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. What do we have to believe? Well, it's important that we believe the Gospel that He mentioned in the 15th verse of that same chapter when He called them to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. That Gospel is the fact that Jesus died for their sins, our sins, was laid in a tomb, and He arose on the third day. That's important. And so we proclaim that to the world because that's what He did because of our sin, and He paid the price so that you and I could have life eternal. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, shows us the picture that baptism represents. It says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. Remember the good news is the fact that Jesus died, was laid in the tomb, and He rose victorious over the grave. He died for our sins. When we're baptized into Christ, when we put on Christ, we go down in that watery grave of sin, we, we get rid of our sin, it's washed away by the blood of Christ, and we come up out of that water a new creature, clothed in Christ. And just as the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing, you and I can do the same thing today. But it doesn't stop there. We still have to be faithful. And sometimes that's a challenge in our lives. We have to be faithful even when the going gets tough. We have to be faithful even when someone that's very close to us may try to pull us away from the Lord. We have to be faithful even when things in this world pull at us and try to show us that the world is smarter than God. We still have to be faithful to our God. In Revelation 2 and verse 10, we see that they were facing tribulation. They're told there, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life even if it cost them their life, they will remain faithful to our Lord. You love the Lord that much that you would give your life for Him? Are we prepared? Are you prepared? If that day was to come today where you were going to stand before God and give an account of your life, is there things in it that you wish weren't there that you could take care of by the blood of Christ? And we would suggest you do that today. If you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become one. You have that opportunity. We have water. We have clothing. We have everything ready. You can be buried with our Lord in baptism today. The question is, are you ready? You have that opportunity while together we stand and sing.